Hello and welcome to the podcast Spooky Saturday. We are here to question the suspicious, investigate the intriguing, and do our best to distinguish fact from fiction. Each episode, we dive headfirst into a topic of choice and find stories, evidence, history, and more to discuss and debate. Join us in earning some merit badges, Spooky Scouts, if you survive. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to Spooky Saturday. Welcome, welcome. We're here. Uh, I hope everyone's doing well. Oh my gosh, I just heard Paco. Every time I like do the like, hello, he's like, Beep? me? Me? Are you talking to me, the Mr. Paco? <laughs> yeah, welcome, welcome. Uh, so this is going to be our season finale for a season two um, of Spooky Saturday. And after this, we're going to take maybe like a month, month and a half, two month break. Whatever. We'll see. We're we're still going to be streaming off and on, and I'll still be streaming off and on, but it's mostly just going to be, like, fun games and stuff until we drawing. come back. Yeah, some drawing games. And also to give Jack some time to catch up on all of the podcast episodes. Yeah, he's, which like, are... eight behind or ten, or he's a, he's a good amount behind us. Yeah. So we will be able to catch, so everyone will be able to catch up on those I give them a re-listen if you ha- if you watch the show live. Listening to them again on Spotify or any other podcast thing is great because Jack adds little like things to make fun of us in there. <laughs> <laughs> he do- he sure does, especially on the Patreon yeah. ones. Yeah, um, yeah. He so he adds a lot of things that are very funny and it's worth a listen. So you can go back, go back, check up on everyone. Oh yeah, Kayla's possum shirt is a delight. I should have worn my Yeehaw shirt. Oh, oh my gosh, I can't wait to see your Yeehaw shirt. It's a great shirt. It's great. Yes. Um, the pos- it's from an Etsy store. I think Kayla has it on. Yes, on, it's uh, Etsy.com. Yeah, Etsy.com slash shop slash Ellie Monster. E-L-L-I-E Monster. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're going to do a bit of a rebrand, get some new merch. I'm thinking, I think we're, we're going to change the name to just uh, Spooky. Spooky Scouts. Yeah. So... Um, that just in case we don't want to record on a Saturday. I was about to It'll say. Still be, it might still be on Saturday, but we're not going to tie ourselves to one day anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what, like, we get so worn out by Saturday. It's a little bit hard. So I was like, I really like that rebranding idea because we could potentially stream and do it on a Monday evening or something like that, yeah. which might be better for people too. Because a lot of times people want to spend their Saturday afternoon, especially now that it's getting nicer out outside. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... You know. Yeah, so it ties us less to a day, and it it's, uh, gives us a chance to do some more fun scout branding, which I love that, like camping. I was telling Kayla I found my California Envirothon bucket hat. Yeah. So this is this is a uh, this isn't just this isn't just like a one from Urban Outfitters. This is from t- the year two thousand. It's the legit. Year two thousand. It's vintage. California Envirothon bucket hat. Uh, we were second in the state of, I was the wildlife wow. person. <gasps> Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, 21 years old. Yeah. We had soils, wildlife, um, like a special topic and like, uh, and like, I don't know. And I don't know. Some of it was really mathy. It was too hard for me. <laughs> but yeah, other than up for updates, that's pretty much it. We're just going to, we're going to make some more fun merch and we're going to make some more fun stuff. Yeah, I'm and, excited uh, pins, about the rebrand. Some more, yeah, some more cryptid stuff, probably. Horrible crying. <laughs> no, it'll be okay. It'll we, we'll still be here. We'll just we'll, we'll still I'll still do all the updates. Like you want to hear about QAnon? I'll still talk about that. <laughs> well, and we can still do the we'll still do the Patreon episodes. We still do we'll do yeah. those because we gotta do those once a month. 
Oh, um, and uh, was it Roxy Rondell who did the edits? Yes. On Twitter? Yes. Thank you for those. Yeah. Thank you for the edits. And you should <laughs> share your awesome. drawing, but also don't feel pressured because the internet is a hellhole. So if you don't yeah. want to share it online, yeah, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> and the break will give us time to find good books and research and give you good book yes. recommendations. Yeah. We will. Thing. We more or less want to be more official about our research instead of just being like, oh, shoot, we got to figure out what to talk about. <laughs> Because like we do this for fun, but also like as the as the panorama starts to starts to wind down a bit, like we do want to go on trips eventually. Like we do want to go to conventions and like maybe even interview some people mm-hmm. like on the fly. Yes. So like I think that would be because I think that would be super fun. Like if we could go to like the Alien Con and a bunch of other stuff. And Bigfoot Con here. Um. Yeah, Bigfoot Con. So I think like. Now that all of that's starting to come to a close and we're kind of going coming back into the real world. Not I mean not really. I'm still not going anywhere. But, <laughs> but I, I just I can't wait to go to like Alien Con, like interview people. Like I just want like, oh you're an abductee? Tell me the whole story. Yeah, tell I, me I all. can't <laughs> wait. Tell me all about it. I need to know. Like I am ready. I am ready to hear these stories. I am ready. Yeah, and I think it'll be that we'll we'll be able to make videos and stuff with that. So it's oh, just yeah. like, yeah. I still have all my like YouTube, like I have my professional camera set up with like a shotgun mic and everything. It's gonna be great. So, so, so more yeah. of that. So we're not we're not leaving. We're just taking a break so we can get better prepared. Yeah. And like Holly said, the 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 panini or whatever you want to call it, the panini, <laughs> the panini, the panorama has made it hard because we get, we do this for fun, but then also time is an illusion. And sometimes yeah. it gets to be like Wednesday or something. And I'm like, wait, Holly, what are we talking about on Saturday? Yeah. It's been, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's been bad for all of us. So I think it's going to be good to like recollect ourselves. We're going to come back. And, and again, this is like, it's fun and we like doing it. So like making it even more like, on the professional side is exciting mm-hmm. because like being able to go to like conventions and talk to people just be so funny. Oh my god, Jack even read a read read a while uh read a whole book about podcasting. See? Mm-hmm. He's been researching. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, we're we're trying. Jack edits all of the episodes, so give give Jack a, a hello and a follow and a and a as a treat. As a treat. <laughs> <laughs> as a thank you. But I do have, um, now that we've gotten current events, uh, Spooky Saturday current events taken, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which I'm going to have to train myself to say Spooky Scouts instead of Spooky Saturday, uh, taken care of. There isn't really a Q update this week. There is a new documentary coming out. It's not out, or not a a series on HBO Max, I think. Oh, wow. No, I borrow my friend's HBO Max. (laughs) But but it's, uh, it's called, like, into the storm or something and oh, it's God. like a six part yeah it's like a six part series and pretty much i it's like they more or less like interview all of these people that like run and have inter- have created all of the chans and like all of these like internet forums and boy is that a fun deep dive that is a fun that is a fun and bizarre place to go so um i'm excited to watch that uh, I will be updating it, obviously, when we do other streams. Into but, the yeah. storm. That is Into very the, dramatic. It's called Q, Into the Storm. Well, the storm was like a thing that they used. So anyway, the fun, exciting thing before we delve into some local mysteries that I was going to show you guys is I finally, I went through some of my old boxes from my Pappy's stuff. Oh, gosh, um, after, yes. he, after he died. 
Um, and that was pretty recent. So he died in like, I think, God, like 2018, like early 2018. Um, and I, I got as much as I could from his boxes. I, one thing I couldn't find, and I know it's in there, is his big retirement poster from Skunk Works. But I have all of my Skunk Works stuff that he had. And this is like... This is stuff is weird. Like it's, I mean, it's like Skunk Works. So I had to look it up. So I have a, a couple of things to start with. So Skunk Works, I'm just going to read it to you guys what Skunk Works is, um, which is just, it, it's such a bizarre thing. The term Skunk Works came from Al Cap's satirical hillbilly comic strip, Lil Abner, which I'm like, what? What? <laughs> yeah. Which was immensely popular from 1935 through the fifties. The Skunk Works was a dilapidated fact skonk, skonk skonk literally skonk was a dilapidated factory located on the remote outskirts of dog patch in the backwoods of kentucky according to the strip scores of locals were done in were done in yearly by the toxic fumes of the concentrated skonk oil which was brewed and brewed and barreled daily by big barn smell known as the lonely inside man at the skonk works by grinding dead skunks and worn shoes into a smoldering still for some mysterious, unspecified purpose. This is from the comic. <laughs> um, so anyway, in mid-1939, when Lockheed was expanding rapidly, that's when they created Skunk Works. Skunk Works was more or less like a... It was more or less like a, uh, a specialized group of people. Like It was part of Lockheed, but how they described it is... An official, the, wait, where'd it go? Oh, it was a moonshine factory in Ooh. Little Abner. Whatever. I'm trying to find what they called it, but more or less it's a, it's like a, okay, here it is. Sorry. I need to find the exact definition because I found it. It says Skunk Works projects are a project typically developed by a small and loosely structured group of people who research and develop a project primary, primarily for the sake of innovation. That's what it is. And okay. it came from all these bizarre, like, little Abner things. I don't understand why, but it was old. It's It started in World War II. Like, it started in, in like, 1930. Wow. Or 1935 or something. So, it's it's a... I didn't realize it was that old. Like, I had no idea that yeah. Skunk Works was that old. And it also tied into Bigelow. Mm -hmm. Remember Robert Bigelow? Yeah, he's, he's a guy. Which, which, by the way, in all of this, like, Skunk Works research, I found the most amazing thing that apparently, I gotta link this website because it is amazing. So in June 20, this guy is so weird. He has to be an alien. So in June 2020, June of 2020, like recently, okay, Robert Bigelow founded the Bigelow Institute for Consciousness Studies to support investigations into life after death. Ooh. Like what? He and is you think, just like, into everything, right? And you like you're like this is gonna this is like maybe aliens. I don't know. Um, but the website's terrible. Please look at the website right now. Okay, <laughs> it's like the worst. I'm like you're not studying anything on this GeoCities. Like, but I don't. I don't. It's like whiplash. It's just a whiplash of a website. That logo. <laughs> I know the logo. Like, what is this guy on? Oh, boy. He has enough money to fund a better website. I know. This guy has enough money to send people to space, and he didn't hire a graphic designer? Uh... Yeah. Incredible. There's a contest. Oh, can There's I a enter? Contest. What's the contest? An essay contest. Best evidence for afterlife. 
Oh. <laughs> 14 po- First place is $500,000? I want that much money. Right? I can write oh, an man, essay. No, it closed. It closed. Oh, heck. Anyway, he's just giving money away for an essay. Like, an essay? <laughs> like, Anyway, that's, yeah. The site is noisy. I agree. Yeah, this also says, please be patient, patient with revisions. Okie dokie. Got it. Got it. Your, fa- your face, Kayla, is like. I can't. It's just like, I know. oh, man. What I know. is this? Graphic design is his passion. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. It, it like, opened an email, and I didn't click anything, and did. I'm very scared. These stock photos, too. Like, what? Like, what? Okay. Anyway. Oh, so that's fun. And there's, uh, I also found an article on the Lockheed website about Ben Rich, who started, who was one of the most seasoned engineers in Skunk Works. So my pappy, I didn't, this is the thing that I learned when going through all this stuff. Like, I know he worked at Skunk Works. He worked at Lockheed and Skunk Works for 30 years. That's so From long. the 70s to the, ni- to like the early 90s. So, like, the late 80s, more like. I think it was the late 80s. I have all the things here. 30 years. 30 years. From 1950, I'm sorry, from 1958 to 1980. Ooh. From 1958 to 1983. Or, sorry, more than that. 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. 1989. He worked there from 1958 to 1989. And I'm like, I'm sorry, so he was there from the 70s when they started all this stuff and made the Blackbird and all of the stealth planes and everything. So here's a whole, I don't, I'm not going to read you guys the whole article, but he worked there when all of these people were working here up there who are like the, the, the people that more or less like started Skunk Works. So if you want a fun history, this is a history, fun history article, but we're not going to go through that because I'm going to do more show and tell because this is more fun. Um, so I don't have his big retirement poster. I know it's in there somewhere. <laughs> and it's signed by the guy. His big retirement poster is signed by one of the guys that wrote the, like, Lockheed, like, book. Ooh. Like, the that was published recently. So this is from... Okay, so he retired in 1991. So this is from... This is signed by Sherman Mullen, who was the president of Lockheed at the time. And you can see... The little, the little skunk. There he is. Oh my gosh. There he is. And this is his, there's the guy's real signature. And this was his retirement letter. So it says like, um, and this is my step grandpa, by the way. So he was like my grandpa. I mean, he, in all senses of the words, but he was my, not related to me by blood. Not that it matters. No. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's also a like fun watermark on this to know it's real. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. It says, I understand that you will soon be retiring. I'm always sorry to see an, an employee leave us who has contributed so much, but it does give me an opportunity to extend my thanks. Please accept this letter as an expression of my gratitude for your long years of service. Your efforts have contributed to help make our company successful and are sincerely appreciated. I hope you look back with pride and satisfaction on your years with Lockheed. May you be blessed with a full measure of happiness and health in the years ahead. Ahead. Maybe aliens. And maybe some aliens. Yeah. So this one, then there's two letters here. This one's his 25-year service, like, award. Aw. It's like, yeah, and then there's another one. This is 30-year service award. Ooh, it's gold. 
And this one's signed by names I literally can't read. I think one is something Cartwright. And I don't, I couldn't find who that was. But it says he's the Lockheed president in 1983. Something Cartwright. And then this one, I literally can't read. It's John C. something. I can't read it. So. Why are signatures the worst? I don't know. Like the other one, this one had like his retirement letter is from like the guy's, the president's desk. So I guess like that's way fancier. Um, my pappy also, I have a ton of his old toys from the 30s. So I have these little like. This is from the 30s, this little like hopping frog, but it's straight up made out of sheet metal. <laughs> so these kids are, are getting like tetanus, like just straight up tetanus. Um, there's a bunch of them though. There's some Halloween ones. I think they're for like jumping. Like I think they're for like like hopping. Like I think you're supposed to make them. I don't know. Like, oh, but this one's got witches on it. This one's here. Look at this one. It's got a little witch on it. Like I think, Ooh. but like it's for oh, like Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like a little like bouncy thing, but also I'm just like, what? This all again also made of sheet metal. This one's definitely from World World War Two. It's like I don't even know what this stands for, but it's like again made of sheet metal. I don't know. I have so much random stuff, and this is, I have a bunch of stuff from his childhood, like a ton of stuff, and that's from the '30s because he was born in '31, I believe. Um, but this says Captain Midnight's Secret Squadron, and I want to make one of these for us for the That's Spooky so Scouts. Cool. It's got it's actually got a little dial <gasps> in the middle that so like if you line up if you line up a letter to a number, it like gives you a secret code. So it's a decoder. Yes, it's a decoder, just like the in the Christmas story. Oh my god, isn't that funny? And it's got like a little propeller in the center. So I don't really, I don't know how you like. I think we can like... make those, like, I've, I've seen, I have a friend who makes uh, an enamel pin that's a D20 that spins. So I could just yeah. ask her where she gets that made. Yeah, we could totally do it. So we could make our own little, but little secret decoder. I think it's so fun. Um, but also made of sheet metal. <laughs> also <laughs> dangerous. Also just straight up made of sheet metal. Um, but anyway, Captain Midnight's Secrets, or it's, it's literally called Captain Midnight's Secret Squadron. That that's also cool, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I have a bunch of weird stuff like that in here. I don't know how to set the code, but also very cool. Um, oh, maybe these things are noisemakers. No. Oh, maybe they're noisemakers. Oh, was that fun in the thirties? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Ah, uh, well, it's noisy. That but seems still- like a thing children would like to do to be annoying. But still, it's noisy, but still, like, just straight up made of sheet metal. <laughs> like, again, like, you cut yourself on, like, it's sharp. It's sharp. It makes the same noise as, like, hitting a stick on a rock. I don't know. Yeah. Like, sure. Have, yeah, whatever. Um, so anyway, back to, back to the Spooky Saturday stuff. So this is his, like, old 70s, like, badge. To get into Lockheed. And it's got, like, Lockheed, California, the 10 years. You can see it. Ooh. There's a little, like, Lockheed. Look how old that is. It's, there's this picture. I love this picture, too. Because, like, I only knew him as, like, an old person. Like, a really old person. Not, yeah. Like, like, this. It looks like a mugshot. Yeah. <laughs> this is, like, how I reckon. This is from the 80s, I'm pretty sure. Like, but this is how I remember him looking, mostly. This is a better picture of him. Oh, he looks so nice. He was very sweet. He, like, as he was older, he was very Santa Claus looking. 
who's a wonder wonderful person um wouldn't tell me about aliens so yeah well <laughs> but he did have books he did have books in his uh in his house was like motorhome that said uh you know he had he had a chariot of the gods the classic he knew what was up he knew what was up he had the day after roswell he was Classic. trying to tell you without Classic. telling you. He had all these things. He had all these things. Classics. He's mm. telling me without telling me. Classic. Anyway, there's a bunch of, a bunch of keychains in here. So this is like from 1980. Another like Lockheed like, thank you. They give you a keychain. Thank Ooh. you for working here. This is like a Merch. badge holder that says Sperry Univac. So it must have been something they like bought. I don't know. He was a parts buyer, and I don't even really understand what that means. Like, I I don't. So I don't know what he did. But he, he actually, the only things he ever told me was that he, like, that I heard it, like, secondhand, too, is that he, like, not everyone knows everything. Mm-hmm. Like, that only people know certain parts of a project. So he only would only know certain parts of a project. So, like, he wouldn't know everything about the... This thing, this is the one I worked on, the SR or whatever. So wait, here it is. I got like the, uh, oh, the Lockheed F-117A Stealth Fighter. This is the one that he specifically worked on for all of those years. Ooh, that looks scary. Yeah, so this isn't the big triangle stealth bomber. This is a stealth fighter. And here's a real picture of one, like, just landing, I guess. Oh, man, that is so scary looking. Yeah, it's like Batman jet. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, so. Oh, Sperry Univac was a maker of mainframe computers. Well, there you go. I, I don't know that. But apparently that's a, he had his badge holder from Sperry Univac. So I, these are really cool. Like, I want to do something fun with these. Um, these are the patches. I don't know what this is. Night Stalkers. Ugh. It says 415 Tac FTR squadron, and it's got a uh, like a hawk shooting lasers Whoa! out of his legs. Out of his legs? Yeah, <laughs> not his eyes, his legs. Yeah. The uh, um, so this one's awesome. I love this one. It says ADP Pride Product Excellence, quick, quiet quality. Ugh. Ugh. Like oh, it's got the skunk on it. Whoa, it's the skunk. It's like a skunk works patch. You should make, like, a shadow box and put all those in. Put all that stuff yeah. in. Oh, that'd be cool. And then, um, he was abducted. man abducted. No, he's, <laughs> he died in 2018, so he's he's long gone. Um, and then there's a F, F-117A, 18th of June, 81. I think that's when they declassified it. Whoa. Yeah. So this is why he worked at Area 51, because he went to all these places. He, he like... It, the main factory was in Burbank, and so he worked and lived in Burbank most of his life. Like, or not, yeah, it was like there was a factory in Burbank, and then I guess he did some of the stuff at Area 51, so they did some of the building there. But I have some more, like, weird little... So this thing, I don't understand what this is. Maybe one of you guys knows, because it looks like a computer. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, I tried, like... I tried to figure it out, and I don't know. Um, let me see if I can find a bigger example. There's a bunch of pins, too, in here of the of the Blackbird. They're, like, called, like tie pins. So he's got a bunch of, like, little, like, Blackbird, Ooh. like, tie pins and stuff. A bunch of tie pins. One's, like, a sword, a little thing. 
Whatever these guys are, I think this is another one of their jets. I don't know. It's like a little jet. Um, and then this one is really old. It's another tie pin. It says, this one's really cool. It says the, the supersonic intercontinental aircraft will give the USAF the flexibility required to deter aggression. Currently being developed by North American Rockwell's Los Angeles division, the BI will be capable of performing both low and high altitude missions. And for some reason, it's on a little thing and is a jet. <laughs> and it's gold. And I'm like, did they give these away? Was this like a prize? I don't know. I'm trying <laughs> to get it to stop like autofocusing, but it's not. But anyway, it's another like silly little, huh, silly little jet. Oh, Roxy Rondell wanted to see him longer. I'm trying to get it. There you go. You can see it. It's like another tie pin. Apparently tie pins were big sellers. I don't know. Yeah, that seems to be a, a fashion statement I um, wasn't aware so, of. Yeah. So apparently tie pin. There's another Skunk Works keychain that says uh, about the U-2. Yeah, so this says, go ahead December 8th, 1954, first flight, Lockheed U-2, 20th anniversary, December 1974. Oh, C.L. Kelly Johnson, Skunk Works. That must have been the name. Kelly. Yeah. So this is a keychain, like, from Skunk Works from when that one famous guy whose article I linked came. So, like, look at... There's the little skunk on the back. And then that says Kelly Johnson. And then there's, like, the plane on the front. They made a lot of merch. I know, I know. (laughs) Um, yeah, I'm happy to take pictures of these things and put them into the Discord. Um, so if you guys want me to do that, I'm happy to do that. Then you'll be able to see them better. They're very, again, the camera just auto-focuses, so it's hard to see. Let's see. And there's a couple other just little things. It's like, one says, like, look to Lockheed for leadership. Like a little doodad. So many of the like, weird little doodads. Ah! There's just, like, a million tie pins. Like, yeah. why tie pins? I don't get it. What, oh, this is some other it's thing. such a specific thing to make, too. Like, what if I don't I wear ties? What, what am I, I supposed not, to do? What if I am not a man yeah, what if who I, wears ties? Yeah, or, you know, in general, just like, I don't want, I wish to not. Um, yeah, uh, what if I don't, do not wear ties? Can oh, you make me bad. a brooch? Can you make me a brooch, too please? Too bad. Um, this pin was in there, too. This was a pin. This, this has to be so cool, so old. Like... <laughs> It says, uh, oh my Superman God. of America, Superman of America. Like it's Superman. So Superman of America. It's got to be really old. It's yeah. Like really, oh, wow. So like, I don't know why Superman of America was <laughs> a pin, but I guess that's just like a thing that they, that he had in here. So here's my, this is like my most mysterious one. And I think like, I want to see if we can figure this out. Hold on. Let me see. Cause I think there's one other one. There's one other thing with this weird logo on it. Again, like, why he kept all these things in a little tiny container. Yeah, he kept a lot of stuff. That's always nice. Which is is cool. Okay, so here it is. So I don't know what this is. We're going to figure this out. It looks like a computer server or a building, but it's on a tie pin and it's on a (laughs) knife. Of course it is. It's on like a knife, like a little like it's a money clip and a knife, which I'm like, that's a pretty good gift. (laughs) But, like, okay, this is what it looks like. Hold on. It looks really weird. It's a pin there. But, like, what is it? It looks like a computer server or, like, a building or, like, what is it? What is it? 
What is it, you guys? I don't know. It looks like a computer, like an old, old style computer server. I feel like it's got to be that because it can't be a building because like that overhang part, right? If that were like a, I guess it could yeah. be, but like that would be. I don't know, but it's so it's on the pin and it's on this tie clip. And I'm just like, is this a thing? Like you just made merch of your computer server? Like, or air conditioning ducts? Air yeah. control tower? Yeah, maybe it's an air... It oh, yeah. Know. It could be an air control tower. Yeah, it could be an air control tower. Secret key, yeah. Mm. It could be that. But, like, on the bottom, there's a bunch of dots. Like, they're really tiny. You can't see them. But there's a bunch of dots on the bottom. I'm just like, what's going on here? Yeah. I don't know. That's another type in. Oh, also, and I saw in the chat... Which I didn't know this. Roxy Rundle said that wearing a tie was mandatory for military and other government officials. Oh. So they had to wear ties. So it was an it was mandatory. So this is how um, they could customize their ties. I guess. Um, so then there's the last couple things I have. So these again, they're in a tiny wooden box for some reason. I just love that everything he had was just like so tiny. These were his little like 30-year, like 30-year Lockheed pins. First tie. Now, like little jewels on them for Ooh. some reason. It's 25 year Lockheed pin. They just say that. And then I love this one. This one's just the little skunk. <gasps> you can see it, which I just think is very cute. Um, and then finally, this is my favorite. It's my favorite. Two favorite things, actually. He used to keep this on his desk. It's uh, the skunk. <laughs> is he the little hat? Yeah, he's got, he's made out of like pipe cleaners. He's wearing a tie. Uh, of course he is. <laughs> and he's like a little Christmas ornament with a little hat on. And he was always sitting in this Skunk Works cup that says dedicated to excellence, Lockheed California Company. And it's got a bunch of, a bunch of planes. They're so well branded. Yeah. So much branding, so much merch. No. It's a little skunk. It's a little skunk. Like, what? When is he from? This guy has to be from, like, the, the 70s, I'm thinking. Like, he is so old. Yeah. A piece of history right yeah. there in your hand. His eyes are yellowed. Like, he's he's old, for sure. Skunk. Skunky. Skunky. But, yeah, so that's all the, that's a lot of the stuff that I found. Again, I need to, I still haven't found the... The big, he has a big poster signed by everyone, like including all of the people that I've read about in like things saying like, oh, these people do about UFOs. Their signatures are on there. And That's like, wild. It's somewhere rolled up in my attic, so I can't find it. When I do find it one of these days, um, I will definitely get it, like show you guys. But I just like, I could only handle so much, so much like old family trauma yeah. at a time. So going into attics I, not fun. No, but I'm glad that I found this stuff. It is really, it's really exciting. It's a fun like little, little like, gosh, like little treasure chest of just, just bizarre old things. So, yeah, yeah. Thank you but, for sharing that. That is really interesting and so I, much merch. I'm just surprised. So much merch. So much. Merch. So much I mean. Someone was busy. Someone was busy, like, making these cups. They just had a merch person doing all this. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. 
uh, Laffy Arcana said it seems weird to us, but to but to their mind, they were just another business, and corporations love branded merch. Yeah, it's true. You're right. It's true. I have like a million like water bottles that say like D and D. Me too. And yeah. like that they always gave me, and then I have um. A bunch, like when I did stuff with Bioware, I had a bunch of Bioware ones. Yeah, it's like, like water, a, bottles, oh, water bottles, lanyards, yes. lanyards. Um, I have a like a million of these pencils, like just you know, branding, free advertisement. Yeah, yeah just branding. Um, so that makes sense. But anyway, so that was fun. Those show and tell, good show and tell of fun Lockheed stuff. I like still a hundred percent think that he saw stuff at Area Fifty One. I think that, like, I think any, I don't think people shared with him because obviously they're not really allowed to do that. Yeah. Like, they're not allowed to share those different aspects of it. But I do think that, I think he was, like, suspicious, at least, because he read all of those books. Like, he was definitely into UFOs and stuff, but, like, never really talked about it. Just, like, had the books, and I'm like... He had to have heard something, you know? Yeah. Like, because I don't care where you work secrets don't stay secret you know like i don't care how many ndas you sign if you work in a workplace people talk yeah or even just like i don't know like having gone like (coughs) sorry to area 51 or something like don't like i feel like he even told me like oh yeah i just walked around i'm like you walked around huh (laughs) tell me more (laughs) what was that like what'd you see what'd you see (laughs) like Mm. yeah so who knows? Interesting. Um, I did check all the books for secret notes <laughs> for letters, time. like a little. He was <laughs> reading one of them on like a Kindle, so that was no good. Oh yeah, <laughs> I still have his copy of Chariots of the Gods. I kept it somewhere. It's down with my little book about um, Area Fifty One that I got at the Alien. <laughs> ah, yeah, we have to go um, there. I want to go to Area Fifty One. I know, that's what I said, Victoria. I was like, oh, you just walked around the most okay. secret base in history. Mm. Oh my god, yeah. Caravans. I don't know if aliens are real, Holly said Pappy as he nonchalantly cleared his throat and made various glances to his bookshelf of all aliens are real. Yeah, books. I think I think he was telling you. I think I yeah, I again I think he was suspicious, regardless. Regardless. Mm-hmm. But yes. Um, where you moved? No, he lived in like a trailer. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, like he didn't have any any fancy like any fancy things like that. But uh, but yeah. So anyway, that was that was my show and tell. So I will post those images in the Discord for you guys. Yes, um, I want to see photos. Yeah, that way you can just see some of the like ones that I had questions about closer up, and you don't have to look on the silly camera that is just blurry. But really interesting. And I did a uh, a bunch of reading again. I didn't realize that it was in Burbank for mm-hmm. so long. I didn't realize that they were building like like these sorts of things in like Southern California. And then I found it really interesting because um, I, I knew some people who lived in Palmdale a long time ago and saw a UFO. Uh, not a UFO, but saw like these trucks like like dragging or like taking a drone to a like clearly a drone underneath of tarp but like also might have looked like ufo mm-hmm. to a base in palmdale and they that's where skunk works moved skunk works moved from from burbank to palmdale oh. i was like oh of course so all their like secrety fancy drones are all in palmdale so yeah 
Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. So it was interesting. Oh, that was Good. awesome. Thank you for sharing yeah. all that. Yeah. Delving so now we're going to move. Attic. Yeah, I know. God, it's so dusty. <laughs> I'm, I'm so allergic to dust. It's just like, ugh. Yeah. So. But it was an interesting deep dive that I didn't realize he had worked there for so long. Yeah, that's a really long time. Jeez. Yeah. I had no idea that he had worked there for so long, especially in the 70s. So, interesting. Yeah. Oh. I don't have anything nearly as interesting. <laughs> but I, I did research things. That's good. Um, If we're ready to dive into various things that Kayla looks up on the internet. I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. So I tried to do my trusty internet forums research in a few different areas. Um, I was just mainly looking for local haunted things, local legends, local cryptids, uh, because we've touched a lot on West Virginia cryptids and various things mm-hmm. in this area. Um, and a lot of places around me are allegedly haunted by ghosts. The unfortunate thing is they really like that they're haunted by ghosts and uh, a lot of them are campy tourist attractions at this point and they have a lot of nighttime ghost story ghost tours mm. and things like that um but one that i did find that i had not previously heard of and the website is ridiculous i kind of wanted <laughs> to start with that one which it's actually in west virginia so not virginia virginia but i found a forum post on city-data.com oh boy uh and it's just a bunch of forums for different cities and states um and they were talking it was it was a forum post for west virginia specifically huntington and they were talking about moundsville penitentiary and i just saw this one post that got my attention so i went and found the website the post the post is on a forum yeah the post is from weird chick except weird is spelled wrong it's uh ie instead of ei um and they say i have never taken the tours but i hear they're great i can only tell you this much my father spent 18 months on the inside about 45 years ago and with the story stories he told of things that went on in there you better watch yourself there were some really nasty people locked up there. The things they did on the inside were worse than what got them put in there to start with. But let me know how it goes. Given the chance on a visit home, I would love to do the night tour. I'm crazy like that, lol. <laughs> so I was like, all right, <coughs> I'm in, okay. weird chick. So it, so there's the website is wvpentours.com. So if you if you direct your attention there. Uh, it's, it's a lot. It's not a great website. I spent a long time. It's not as bad as Rob Bigelow's consciousness website. It sure isn't. I think you won the worst website, (laughs) but I tried to like look into history of it and it looks like the prison history was taken from a Wikipedia article that goes way too in depth onto how it was built. It's just like. The prison at Joliet provided the prototype for the West Virginia Penitentiary. It was an imposing stone structure fashioned in the Gothic architectural style. I'm like, what does this have to do with anything? Uh, But basically... It's like a spooky jail. Yeah, it's a spooky jail. Uh, I'm going to read the Time Magazine snippet, which I think is more informational than the freaking prison history thing they have there. 
But Time Magazine wrote about them and said, Unlike most of the people who've previously walked through the gates of the West Virginia Penitentiary in Moundsville, you can be fairly certain you'll be walking out again a few hours later. The imposing Gothic structure was first opened in 1876, but closed in 1995. It's seen riots, fires, and the execution of nearly 100 prisoners through either hanging or electrocution. Oh, spooky. Yeah, these days, the only things it sees are much better behaved visitors. You can take a tour of the grounds and see the rows of cramped five feet by seven foot cells during the day. For braver souls, the penitentiary also offers midnight tours, followed by the chance to kick around inside the prison on your own until 6 a.m. Overnight visitors are allowed to bring their own food. So there's no need to trade your boyfriend for a Snickers bar. Okay, Time <laughs> Time Magazine. Um, but I like the idea of just hanging out there for six hours, but it also sounds like really I would, I would just take a nap. But I looked at the different tour options because, I don't know, just interested. And I, I got to this one and I was just like, this sounds so bad. This sounds so bad, Holly. <laughs> I guess it's like an escape room. That no. they're doing there? No. Um, and it's called... Potato Bacon Bomb. Thank you for subscribing. Ooh. It's <laughs> called Escape the Pen, the Execution. Okay. What right. kind of storyline is this, everyone? Please help me. Is this a good storyline for an escape room? Let me tell you. In a surprising move, the governor of West Virginia has ordered a one-hour stay of execution for an inmate at the West Virginia State Penitentiary. Inmate... Lefty Lafferty was scheduled to be put to death today, but in a bizarre turn of events, the governor halted the electric chair execution due to new information that was received just hours ago. Details are not available, but a source close to the administration has said that a special investigative team is being dispatched to the penitentiary. The governor received an anonymous tip, rumored to have been sent via fax, that listed details about the crime Lefty is being charged with. Our source indicated that there are details included that no one could have known. After brief consideration, the execution has been halted for one hour. Da 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 da. What? <laughs> I was, I was just like, what? Yeah, what? What? What kind of plot is this? And, and then it says rules, clues, and facts. Number one rule. This is a game event where you are supposed to have fun. <laughs> like, okay. It's supposed to be fun. It's fun. Rumored to be received by facts. I'm like, what? Is yeah, what? the villain. Is this a 90s escape room? Right? Do you have a beeper? Yeah. Yeah. Rule number two, gather items, find codes, and solve puzzles. Number three, teamwork is vital. Number four, no electronic yeah, devices. Know. Like, it's just... Facts uh, or fiction? <laughs> facts. Is or it fiction. a facts? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's I don't know. Yeah. Is it? It's in the building, though. Yeah, it's in like an upstairs area. It says it's just. I was like, this is really. I'm not sure of the tone you're going for there, but sure, very interesting. And then if you go under events, there's also the event called Princess Tea, where everyone is a Disney princess. Um. Uh, wait, wait, <laughs> wait, wait. So, wait, there's a princess tea at the jail? It says, it just says princess tea. We bring all your favorite princesses to the Moundsville Center for a magical afternoon of fun. Hold on. <laughs> what part of the jail I is don't, this? I mean, it's on the West Virginia Penitentiary haunted website. Princess well, tea. Well, there's princesses. <laughs> princess tea. What? If you go to events, it's princess tea. Isn't that Stop. great? I'm I'm not kidding. No. Why? <laughs> Stop. 
It's no, just, this is a jail. Hey, and it's uh, you can book from twenty dollars. So I guess there's part of it in like the eighteen hundreds building that doesn't look like a jail. Yeah, they're probably like this part isn't haunted, but the rest is haunted. This is the princess area. There's a convention, Paracon. Paracon, yeah. There's all kind like this is just just a lot. Oh, September eleventh, twenty twenty one. Celebrate the supernatural in one of America's most haunted prisons. Uh, it's a gothic fortress. <laughs> Hmm, $20 to get in. Various huh. special guests, speakers, vendors. Alcohol is not permitted during this event, including the overnight investigation. Yeah, they say you may, you may bring your own snacks and non-alcoholic beverages with you for the overnight investigation and the convention. You may also bring cameras. Yeah, and all the things are like, you can't get drunk. And I'm like, I would have to. I'm sorry. Even yeah, at Princess I, I mean, Tea. Like, uh, <laughs> haunted prison, haunted prison princess tea party. <laughs> Oh, boy. Yeah. So this is the one, like, a lot of the ghost tours that are around here are kind of like this, where they're just like, go on a haunted tour. And, but none of them have princess tea. So, yeah, I don't know. This one seems to be There's the got to be, like, part of this building that doesn't look like a prison, yeah. right? <laughs> it's, it's a gothic fortress with princess tea. Twilight tour. What? Ooh. Is it Twilight? Oh. No, explore it at Twilight. Oh, okay. I was like, are now they going to like the make vampires. it about Twilight? <laughs> <sighs> Plan a night out alone with your with your friends or alone if you dare. Plan a night out. With There's your also private paranormal investigations, which you can book now. Book now. Wow. Thriller okay, Thursday. Here's a photography. Oh, no. I just want to see like, I just need to know like what it looks like to like how, which part of it is the princess tea? <laughs> Where's the princess? But like what part? I'm gonna try and look this up on Google Maps because I'm intrigued at how large it is from like yeah a map like the overhead view. Let's see. Oh boy, how do I turn it on satellite view? There we go. Oh, that's real big. So certainly it's like oh it's huge. Part of it could be like not disgustingly ugly. It's like, like a it's like a it house just is like, like this. A house is like land. this big, and the penitentiary is like this big. <laughs> so it's very long. It's very big. Princess tea. And they seem like they have a newer building out back. So I bet you the princess tea occurs in the newer part that's not haunted. Okay. No, it happens. Yeah, it happens in the electric chair room. <laughs> <laughs> the most haunted room in the house. The only one available. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, because it looks like they built a newer, a couple newer buildings out back, including like a center. So I think they have the princess tea there behind the haunted penitentiary. So come on, children. I know this like terrifying building. We're pulling up to it, but we're actually going to go see Tinkerbell. So it's fine. No, it's like, but it's not even Tinkerbell. It's like off-brand Tinkerbell. Yeah. <laughs> Tinkerbell and Elsa, oh. but. Mm. But maybe, maybe not. But maybe not. But maybe not. So that was the, the haunted thing I brought to the table because, wowie, Amazing. West Virginia. Wild and wonderful, West Virginia. <laughs> Amazing. <sighs> um, the other thing I found was a... Tinkerbellsa. Tinkerbellsa. <laughs> was a very cool... I'm going to send you the image. I found this article on The Daily Progress, which is a legitimate newspaper uh, from out of Charlottesville, Virginia, which is about an hour from me. And they found a... They found and wrote about a very old newspaper article uh, in 1899 about a UFO. 
Wow. So I sent you the image, and I'm going to read you the Daily Progress article from 2017 about it. Here, I'll put it in the... Once it starts behaving, I'll put it in the chat. (laughs) It's trying. It's trying its best. Um, So it says, could this brief article that ran in April 28th, 1899 edition of the Daily Progress be the first record of a UFO sighting? And, And then it goes into the article itself. On Wednesday evening, the residents on West Main Street were very much exercised over a mysterious light which appeared in the Northeast. It seemed, according to the best information we could get, to be located just over that notable clump of trees on the Dunlora farm. It was in size, apparently as large as a hogshead, round in form, with a slight elongation at the lower edge. It no. did not flash like a flame and remained of the same size, neither moving from its position nor increasing nor diminishing. One gentleman said he watched it for more than an hour and it did not change in any manner. Many persons assembled on the bridge to see the mysterious luminary, but none could furnish anything approaching an explanation of it. It was sufficiently elevated to preclude the idea that it was a house of fire, even if the other characteristics of such an event had been present. Every theory as to the strange visitor has fallen through, and yet it remains a mystery apparently unsolved. And they didn't even say UFO because that didn't exist back then. Yeah, that's... (laughs) Are you yeah. kidding? 1899. Yeah. And they just all stood on the bridge and were like, is somebody's house on fire? No. Yeah. What is that? Like, Is that a dirigible? <laughs> that's that's really interesting. Oh, Jerry says this is right where they live. Oh, my God. <laughs> Better watch out. Better watch out that 1899 UFO. Oh, my, can we the uh, Mothman was like starting early. Yeah. He was, uh, that was the, the origins. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was really interesting. And um, it apparently just there's a lot of Virginia UFOs. I mean, there's UFOs everywhere. Yeah. Um, but I found another article from the Virginia. But the caves and the spooky mountains. The caves. I found an article from the Virginia pilot that talked about the Hampton Roads history with UFOs. Mm-hmm. And it's from 2019. And they are talking specifically about how. Um, I think there's a naval base, Virginia Beach-ish area, and how people from there admitted to seeing UFOs. So there's a couple different stories. There's actually a lot. I'm not going to go into them all. But this article starts off, it just kind of like dives into it. uh, In Virginia Beach, five crescent-shaped objects were traveling in formation, moving like saucers, bouncing off the top of the water. Jimmy Bonavita, then a Virginia Beach police officer, saw the semi-translucent globes coming over the horizon several miles out at treetop level. It was early, around 2 a.m. in midsummer 1975. Then, four Navy fighter jets came buzzing by, seemingly chasing the flying objects. Bonavita followed suit, zooming down the city's road to keep up. The UFOs eventually went toward the oceanfront and disappeared over the sea, outmaneuvering the pilots. Hmm. This the scene, which could be straight out of a sci-fi movie, stuck with him for the rest of his life. These planes were armed. Bonavita, now a game warden with the Department of De- Defense and well-known local expert on snakes, <laughs> recalled in an what? interview. I was like, okay. <laughs> they had side- sidewinder missiles. You don't fly around. You don't fly armed jets over a populated area unless it's national security. It was his third and last UFO sighting. I've. I've long since given up what people think of me, Bonavita said. I know what I saw. I know what I saw was real. It wasn't an illusion. Can I explain it? No, but I'm not going to worry about it. So that's the start of the article is just to dive okay. into that, to grab you. 
Uh, and then they say there have been there have long been reports of unidentified flying objects buzzing around Hampton Road skies. It makes sense with the region home to several military installations and NASA facilities. There we go. So in Hampton Roads, that's what they have. Uh, such reports can be traced as far back as 1813 when a Portsmouth tavern owner claimed to have watched a ball of fire weave over Norfolk County. He even wrote about the incident to Thomas Jefferson. But often the sightings have been easily dismissed, written off, and not taken seriously. This, that changed this spring, spring of 2019, which was when the Navy updated its protocol for reporting what it calls unexplained aerial phenomena, and several pilots came forward saying they'd seen UFOs as close as the Naval Air Station Oceana in Virginia hmm. Beach. The move by military brass brought the topic out of the shadows, providing a sense of legitimacy to obsessed amateur skywalk skywatchers skywalkers <laughs> and to what they've seen. Police and news reports, interviews, and emails are full of flashing lights and objects that move like no other. Astronomers and others offer logical explanations for some sightings, but not all. And then hmm. this one dives into like a bunch of different accounts once like that. Once the Navy, like, changed that classification and people just started coming forward. So they have accounts from 1952. I'm fascinated about that one with Tom Thomas Jefferson. I'm like, right? oh my god, oh, letter Thomas Jefferson. Hello, Thomas. <laughs> Hello, Thomas. I saw, I saw a ball of fire. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that strange? Isn't that strange? What are you doing? So, I don't know. But they, they talk about it. There's, like, early 2000s. It's it's more of the the things that you expect, but I just found that very interesting. That apparently interesting. Hampton Roads is just just a place where a lot of UFOs are sighted and letters are written to Thomas Jefferson about them. Yeah. I and that's older than the Daily Progress one. Wow. Um. So that's interesting. I don't know. I didn't find the I didn't find the origin of this like referenced letter that they they stated. Ugh. They have they have um they mention they have a handwritten a handwritten what's it called report from the Virginia uh, Virginia Beach Police of a UFO that's over a hundred feet long. Wow, which I hate hate that that's really that's really long. It says object over one hundred feet in length, six square red lights on front, uh, half row middle area dark back section, three red flashing lights flew very high and silent out over the ocean. Hmm. And they checked with the, I think, I don't know, it's hard to read. They checked with, like, the flight tower, Oceana flight tower, and it's not one of theirs. So, hate that. Interesting. So, like, it has a couple of those reports. I'll link it in the show notes, but it's really long. It has a bunch of different reports in it. That's interesting. But yes, I I I like the ball of fire in Thomas Jefferson. Um, yeah, I like that too. I want like I I wonder. I'm sure that letter is like long gone, but I wish it existed because that's amazing. Yeah, 1813. So that's even way earlier than the yeah the other one. Well, it's like all those weird like medieval like or even like 1700s. Like I mean, there's tons of like people have seen them but they use their abilities to explain it as just like yes, these balls of fire. The balls of fire. Yeah, or like God was angry or whatever. Yeah. Kit uh Kara Vansery in the chat said, Hello Thomas, hope you are well. Y'all ain't gonna believe this. <laughs> That's awesome. <sighs> um, Coffee Mancer in chat said too, there's a place 
near where I used to live called Hexenkopf Ooh. Hill. That's supposed to be haunted. Lots of weird stories about it. I went there once with some friends and all our brand new flashlights started flickering and dying at the same time. Mm-mm. I'd leave. I'd be like, goodbye. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and Flumpton says that Thomas Jefferson hoped to find live mastodons in the American West and sadly there were none left. Oh. That was a, he meant well. An attempt was made. That's yeah. a good goal. I'm, I would want to, too. Yeah, uh, occult, occultists obscura. People have already made tons of fake UFO videos, but like you can tell. Yeah, you can like, tell they're all they're, fake. they're usually not great, and the the whole deep fake thing is only faces. That's like it's like copying people. Yeah, like people. I feel like it's part of the problem. Obviously, with UFO stuff, is that yes, people will fake videos, but it is it is pretty obvious when they're faked. I at least I think. Yes, I, a lot I of agree. them are like almost always like close up <laughs> like you can see the ship and it's like no i'm yeah. sorry like that's probably not real it looks cg but like i mean they can dream whatever dream big that's yeah. all i'm saying hexenkopf was translates to witch's head witch's head is true Ooh, that is true christobat said they learned about this local urban myth from portland a mysterious psycho ops video game yeah that's um <gasps> Oh my god what's the game i can't remember the game but that's it's an urban myth i don't think the game exists oh um, that would be we cool. talked about it we, we talked did about it on our video game it was the one that started pot it was called like like poly something we talked about the video game oh okay i think yeah. i know what you're talking about yeah polybius polybius yeah. okay yep yeah it's been yeah, a while but you can it. listen to that on the podcast yeah you can you sure can you sure can you sure can. Um, do you want to hear my local stories? Yes. I have some more once you're done, so go, go for okay. it. Okay. These will be uh, pretty fast because I mostly just uh, dug through my attic. But, <laughs> uh, I have some haunted hikes, which I'm, I can, I want to go. I've been on one of them. Did you see anything? Or was it just a nice I hike? I did not. It, it was just a nice hike. <laughs> um, but I can still tell you guys about them. So... Lime Kiln Trail is the haunted hike I went on. And I, it's a, has old relics, a mossy stone structure, and your imagination. Ooh, okay. <laughs> uh, it follows an old road bed used by the kiln workers, and saw blades litter the trail. It's true, there's lots of, like, rusted stuff. Um, and the kiln is still standing, but dripping with moss. Explore the rusty relics. Um, it's a neat trail. I'll sh- I've been there. I'll show you the picture. It's very pretty. Very pretty, very pretty trail. Hmm. This is the only one I've been to, though. Oh, it's it's this large picture, but look at that scenery, beautiful. Oh, that is very pretty. Yeah, it's a and that's an old lime kiln. It looks like a castle. It's not. It's just an old lime kiln. But you know, whatever. Cool. Whatever. But there, this is the one that I want to go on. Is the Iron Goat Trail uh-huh. located in Stevens Pass? Uh, it's the site of the avalanche and the 1910 railroad disaster. Oh, okay. And it's a spooky tunnel. <sighs> and it says, The Iron Goat Trail marks the site of one of the worst railroad disasters in U.S. history. In 1910, two trains stuck in a monstrous snowstorm as they tried to cross the Cascade Crest were hit by an enormous avalanche. It swept them off the track at the Wellington Depot and into Tai Creek, and nearly 100 people were killed. 
The old railroad grade and its tunnels were abandoned in 1929 in favor of the current Cascade Tunnel, and what was left has been crafted in the Iron Goat Trail. When you're walking the trail, imagine being perched up there in a rickety old train watching the snow accumulate outside. I don't want to. That sounds awful. <laughs> um, so I think uh, I am going to go on that hike. It's it's not too far, but the Haunted Railroad hike sounds like a blast. Yeah, do so. it. Um, and you, the tunnels are still there, so. Take a Ouija board. Yeah. There's another one that's really close to here called Mineshaft Trail. Mm. Um, the, it's a piece of mining history. You can peer down into the mineshaft, which has been left open and covered by a safety grate. This deep, dark hole is an eerie relic of the mining activities, which took place on Cougar Mountain in the late 1800s. It was an 1800s mine. No. I wonder if there's some old jeans down there. No. No, no. No. <laughs> And this is, like, messed up. Like, this is kind of sad. I'm like, I don't want to go on this one. <laughs> it's South Coldwater Trail at Mount St. Helens, uh, which is, of course, like, there's all kinds of sad stuff because people were up there when it exploded and all just fucking died. Yeah. So the South Coldwater Lake Trail evokes eruption day, evokes eruption day best. On that day in 1980, several logging operations were in progress, and about a mile into this hike, you could still see a bulldozer and yard tower, yarding tower lying twisted beside the trail. The cab stuffed full of boulders blown inside from the blast, metal warped by the intense temperature. It's a tangible reminder of the human and economic toll exacted by Mount St. Helens. No, that is very sad. <laughs> I'm. It's sad. <sighs> Yeah, super sad. Here's another one, which, like, would be super fun. Silver Star Mountain, haunted qualities, Sasquatch sightings. <laughs> Due to many purported sightings of Sasquatch near Mount St. Helens and the Gifford Pinchot National Forest, if it exists at all, it does. It does. Our famous resident ape likely lives in Washington's South Cascades. In November 2005, a hiker photographed what he believed to be Sasquatch on Silver Star Mountain. It could just be a hiker. Maybe not. Maybe not. Probably not. You you definitely got some squatching to do. Uh, the person who took the picture's blogger account was suspended, so I guess we won't be able to see the picture. Probably because they shared the truth. Uh oh. Uh oh. Oh. And then the last one is Mount Rainier. Apparently, uh, in 1870, pioneers Hazard Stevens, and his name was Hazard, and Philmon Van Trump set out to climb the mountain. Those are some 1800s in name if I've ever heard them. Hazard. Hazard. Their Nisqually guides would take them no further than the timberline, thinking it unwise for them to attempt it. According to the book Haunted Hikes, the mountains, per- the this is the Native Americans, the Nisqually or Squally, said the mountain's personality, according to their mythology, was that of disgruntled, scorned wife who sucked people into her cave-like stomach and devoured a them. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? A, yeah, that's what they're, that's the mountain's personality, is a, a scorned wife who sucked people into her cave-like stomach and devoured them. Yep. So, there you go. So that's fun. Is that fun? <laughs> yeah. <Are> we, <laughs> does that sound like a fun time? I did find, I mean, I'm glad that I could go on some of these hikes. Like, that's fun. Yeah. They sound, they look very lovely. Like, the, the I mean, nature all, out there. Like, you're, you pretty much don't lose going on any hikes here. But I did find one other thing, which I want to go to one day, maybe, like, once the panorama's over. Mm-hmm. Or maybe if they, I think they have outdoor eat, seating. Um, but there is a bunch of 
I didn't even know there's a bunch of really old buildings here in Seattle. Of course, I've never been to because like a year and a half after I moved here, uh, everything closed. So, yep. <laughs> um, or two years, whatever. Let's see. There's one, there's one like old pub, like old Irish pub. That's apparently, yeah. Kells Irish pub is apparently one of the more, most haunted bars in America. Ooh. Yeah. So the Butterworth building where the pub is used to be a mortuary and the pub is in the basement, uh, which the bar owner says was once the embalming room. Gross. Many ghosts are said to appear here. The two main attractions are the little girl with red hair and Charlie, who is said to appear in the Guinness mirror. (laughs) I I don't know. Little girl. And it's, it's open. They have outdoor seating. So I can go. I can go and get. I mean, I, I also like Irish pubs, so, like, that sounds fun. Yeah, you get maybe, haunted. Yeah, and maybe also be like, tell me about the ghost. Have you seen a ghost? I can do some field research one day. Go ask uh, Go ask the people that work there. Are there any ghosts? Any ghosts here? I heard there's ghosts. Yeah, that sounds nice. Potato Bacon Bomb said that they used to live in Marietta, California, and there was a haunted mill in the older parts of the city. It was all burnt out. And there was an elevator shaft that went up several stories to a room you had no way to get to, but you could get in the basement. The second or third time I went, it suddenly got super cold. No! No. In one area of the basement. So we were looking up through the grain chutes, and near the cold area, we saw the girl that lives in the room at the top of the shaft looking down that chute. And we bolted. No. Uh, When we were leaving, we saw her leaning out a window at the top watching us go. No! No! Too spooky. Too spooky. But that's all I had. I just had some local Seattle ones. I didn't look up a lot of the California ones I knew of just because I wanted something different. So, yeah, I that's very interesting. Yeah, haunted haunted hikes, hmm. which I didn't know about. There's a and again, there's apparently some more haunted buildings in Seattle that I'm just like, I've never heard of these, but apparently there's more haunted buildings. So nice. Well, you have something to look forward to. Yeah. Which is exciting. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Something something to do when the, maybe the panorama's over or just hide, whatever. Just Or just hide. Or just hide. Yeah, I was looking at the other ones. There's some more, like, it's really in the old parts of Seattle that everyone's like, these are all haunted. I'm like, that makes sense. <laughs> Everything's sure. haunted. Goodbye. It looks old. I get it's it. It's old. I get it. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's it. I was scrolling through another article I pulled up. I thought it was just uh, Southwest or Southeast, Southeast or Southwest, whatever, Virginia. But it's actually like the entire section of the United States. But they do mention Virginia. And actually one of the things they mention, one of the stories they mention on this article is the disappearance of a child. And his name was Audie Klein Powell. And I'm like, don't have my last no. name. I don't like it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> But I will read this story because it is spooky and relevant and just sad. Yeah, that's um, fair. It says, on a chilly November day in 1891, four-year-old, four-year-old Audie Powell and his classmates set out from the Tower Ridge Schoolhouse in Central Virginia to collect firewood at four years old. That seems dumb. Yeah. Uh, but little Audie never returned. Not a surprise. Just hours after the boy disappeared, a rescue party began scouring the area, but searchers didn't venture up the rugged slopes of Bluff Mountain. Finally, in early April of 1892, hunters discovered the boy's body high on Bluff Mountain more than seven miles from his school. 
So he's four years old. I don't even think that's possible, right? Right. Today, the Appalachian Trail passes the spot on the mountain where Adi's body was found, commemorated by a small marker. The Punchbowl Shelter sits just 1.6 miles south of of the spot on the AT, and through hikers often have reported encountering young Adi on the footpath trying to find the way back to his one-room schoolhouse. No. <laughs> and they tell you how to find it if you're hiking the trail. Um, hate that. Oh God, that's so spooky. Yeah. Um, there is a cave story here, but it's not in Virginia, but I'm tempted to read it because I hate it. It's called The Subterranean Spirits of Mammoth Cave. And so there's yeah. Mammoth Cave National Park, which I think is in Kentucky. Yes. Uh, so this is in Kentucky, so not terribly far. Uh, naturally, the longest cave system on the planet has some stories. Huh! No, <laughs> I'm just already it's like the caves. No, no. It's the caves. Staff at Mammoth Cave National Park have recorded so many otherworldly incidences. Two rangers wrote an entire book about the park's unexplainable occurrences. Before being declared a national park, the massive cave system in central Kentucky captured national attention in 1925 when local caver Floyd Collins met a nightmarish end after being pinned in an underground shaft in an area nicknamed Sand Cave. But Collins wasn't the only person to perish in the subterranean sandstone labyrinth. In 1839, physician John Krogan purchased the cave and ordered slaves to construct an underground facility for patients suffering from consumption. Ultimately, five tuberculosis patients died in Krogan's care while convalescing in Mammoth Cave, and visitors still report hearing otherworldly coughing in the subterranean chambers and tunnels. No, otherworldly coughing! Yeah. Spend a night at National Park's Mammoth Cave campground and keep an eye out for legendary guide and cave explorer Stephen Bishop. Oh my gosh. Otherworldly coughing is nothing I ever wanted to Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't like that because it is in a cave, Mm -mm. but, so that's another good one. So I, I looked up a bunch of legends and a lot, not many are in Virginia, but that, that one, the Audie child one, they talk about Croatoan too. Um, which is always fun. The Roanoke Island one. We should talk about that someday more in depth. Yeah, that's a good one. And they talk about Bigfoot because I feel like that connects us because it's mm-hmm. Bigfoot's a thing here, but it's also a thing there. Yeah. So they... It's, it's Yeah, it is. Uh, it says Pacific Northwest is ground zero for Bigfoot sightings, but tales of a hulking ape-like creature also abound in the Southeast, dating back to pre-colonial times. While Bigfoot sightings have been reported throughout the region, Southwest Virginia is a hot spot for encounters with the creature. Just after the Civil War... Locals living along Virginia's border with Tennessee reported seeing a shaggy monster snatching terrified goats from their fields. What? And according to the snatching v- goats, yeah. And according to the Virginia Bigfoot Research Organization, the sightings continue. In 2011, an episode of the television series Finding Bigfoot focused on Southwest Virginia, exploring storied Sasquatch hangouts like the High Knob Recreation Area and the Gum Hill Area, where an ATV enthusiast claims to have captured footage of Bigfoot. While there are plenty of Bigfoot hoaxes, a few esteemed primatologists, including Jane Goodall, have admitted to believing in the creature. What? Yeah. Jane Goodall believes in... That's amazing. That is amazing. That's amazing. Uh, So just just outside the town of Norton, Southwest Virginia, the Flag Rock Recreation Area has been declared an official 
Woodbooger Sanctuary. Woodbooger? A nod to the local nickname for the creature. Woodbooger? <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Woodbooger. Woodbooger. I prefer that and I'm into it. Yeah. Woodbooger. Mm-hmm. So Good name. that leads into, I have two more, two more websites that I, I would like to touch upon. The final one's the best one, but I did also find a scary Shenandoah Bigfoot encounter on phantomsandmonsters.com. Oh, yeah. Pulse, Pulse of the Paranormal. Real cryptid ca- encounter reports, eyewitness experiences, and paranormal investigations on this website. That's what it claims. Yeah, this is a good website. I've heard of this website, actually. Ooh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had never heard of it before. So this one's from 2018, and it it is a... The, the author just says, I recently received the following account. And the account is, I was camping in the Shenandoah Mountains in Rockingham County, Virginia, which is where I was born. That is the county in which I was born and lived most of my life. Last October 2017, it was a nice fall weather, so I decided to go out for the weekend. When I arrived, a local ranger pointed out a hiking trail for me to follow. After a hike over the mountain, there was a nice area of flat ground near a stream that was perfect for camping. I hiked a few miles to get to the bottom of the trail. I set up camp, ate dinner, and crawled into my tent. Around 12.30 a.m., I heard a noise outside of my tent that literally scared the hell out of me. I sat upright and listened to the sounds. Soon after, I could hear rocks falling just outside of the tent. By the direction in which the rocks fell, I figured that someone was throwing the rocks downhill from the mountain, but that was over 100 yards away. I slowly crawled out of the tent and peered out into the darkness. The area was extremely dark, and I could barely see my own hands right in front of my face. Then suddenly, I heard heavy footsteps nearby, which were getting closer. I scrambled back into the tent and reached in my pack in order to grab my forty-four Magnum. Jesus. Uh-oh. Okay. Jeez. I pointed the gun at the ground in the opposite direction of the footsteps and then let off a round. The footsteps stopped, but I did hear a faint rustling sound going away from me. I quickly reached into the tent and grabbed my sleeping bag. I found a nearby tree and propped myself, prop, propped myself against it, the Magnum still in my hand. I dozed on and off, frightened at what had occurred. It started to become light, but my nerves were still on edge. I didn't wait around long enough to take down the tent. I had at least a two-hour hike ahead of me, and I wanted to get out of there as soon as possible. I started my way up the trail. It was rocky and a slight incline in the beginning. I was about an hour up the mountain when I began to hear the same strange noises I had heard the night before. I picked up my pace until I reached the peak. As I made my way to the top... I saw that there was another lower peak on my left, around 150 yards away. There stood a hairy, human-like figure, looking directly at me. I knew that the creature was a Bigfoot. It was massive, at least eight foot in height. I was so scared, I started to run. At the same time, the beast let out a terrible scream that echoed in the valley below. It didn't attempt to follow, but continued to scream. To this day, I can still hear that scream. It sounded like a low growl at first, then continued into a high-pitched shrill, becoming a long, sustained howling. It most likely wanted me to leave its territory, according to what I have read. It was probably hunting at night and was upset that I had set up camp. You are the first person I have shared my encounter with. I doubt I'll ever go into the wilderness at night again. Wow! No! So. Spooky! Wow. And I'll just, like... I reached into my sleeping bag and pulled out my gun. Forty-four yeah. Magnum, not just his gun, like his Magnum. Like, okay, okay, buddy, <laughs> you're prepared for the the right? Bigfoot, America. Yeah, 
quite yeah quite overkill mm-hmm. but that's fine i know I'm, i believe, I believe I'm him sure. it seems fair it seems like a legitimate yeah. website in which to report your bigfoot yeah. sighting <laughs> yeah. you know <laughs> the, wait is someone in here named Woodbooger? yes yeah, Caravansary gifted Wood Booger. Oh, or just like someone on Twitch is named Wood Booger. Yeah, is someone in here? Like, is that was this before we started? Talking I about swear to God, I had never heard that before. No, Wood Booger, are you? I where are you? Either. Unless it's Bigfoot, maybe Bigfoot has their own account. They're just whoever that Wood is Booger. is probably like, what the hell is going on? Who is this? Yes, yes. So the last thing that I wanted to bring to the table is EC bro. Um, this okay. is the guy. I, I think it's supposed to be ECBRO, but, uh, and I think it's East coast, Bigfoot research organization, but I call him EC bro. He's a guy and he's the guy that makes the Bigfoot convention around here. And he has a website. It's ecbro.wordpress.com. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to start out by introducing EC bro. Um, there's a picture okay. of him in a safari hat on the website. It's it's great. Perfect. He's wearing a little safari hat. He looks very serious. Yeah. And he says, prior to introducing myself as a researcher in the Bigfoot world, I was no more than a solo field researcher and grew up spending most of time in nature exploring, hiking, and hunting. And so I went on to form an organization that became established in 2011 to research and find proof as well as other evidence in the field. We believe in the truth that an unknown elusive primate surely does roam our woodlands and our own backyards. Evidence has been gathered and analyzed, among other unnatural finds. The EC bro is here to share the truth. Many studies and field investigations have been done only to realize that the history of sightings are 90% true and accurate based off studies and observations in the field. Oh my god. (laughs) 90%. We will continue to move forward with our dedication and passion. Since 2012, we have been on social media, observing the many claims and theories, and we are here to consider them in order to find truth within them through research. We are more than a field research team. Some of us are independent and educated through the studies out in the field. Uh, Trust and believe in the EC, bro. We are real and honest. We are against anything false. Follow, believe, and join a real team. Represent the organization in your area. See Daniel Benoit for details. Okay. I, it, I, I guess you're just supposed to find him. I don't know. He's on Facebook. Sure. <laughs> sure. And then there are comments on this where someone's like, Hi, Daniel. Just had another two-second sighting last month in Virginia. Rockbridge County, about two miles off the west side two of the parkway. Just found your sight this morning. Two-second sight. Just another two-second two sighting. That's it. That's There's it? like comments on this because it's it? a WordPress right. page, so everybody can comment on everything. But there's oh a lot God. on there. It's ecbro.wordpress.com. They've got about the EC bro, which was that, which was really not that informative. American Primate Conservancy Group, Bigfoot Reports. Ooh, a biography on Daniel Benoit. Uh, probably what you'd expect. Yeah. You know, he likes Bigfoot. He wrote a lot about himself. It's like 20 paragraphs. It's like a small essay. I'm not reading it. Um, He's a dude. Oh, my God. Bringing Bigfoot to the mainstream. Camping prepping earliest known Bigfoot sighting. They're talking about the different Bigfoot conventions. For some reason, they're still linking to all the stuff in 2018. Members list, Squatch Gear, Research, Ecology, Squatch Gear. <laughs> Squatch Gear. Official event website, Squatch Zone Radio. Squatch Zone Radio. 
yes, you can follow his show, The Squatch Zone. It's blogtalkradio.com slash squatch underscore zone, and it takes me nowhere. So unknown. It was a broken link. No. <laughs> takes me to nothing. It takes um, you nowhere. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? So that's EC Bro. That's that's who hosts the Bigfoot convention that I went to and that I was going to go to again, and I missed it one year, and then the Panini happened. And now they're apparently having it in July, June, yeah. July this year, they claim. So if it's safe, I'm going to go, but only if it's safe. Uh, so I find that interesting. I, I would say check it out. It's a pretty, I mean, it's it's a WordPress website, so it's not that great. But it's it's a wealth of resources that might be interesting. And I did find a post on it from five years ago about a bat-like creature in Virginia that is under the cryptid line oh. of research at EC Bro, because apparently they do that. You have to. I, mean, I want to send you the picture they to. put with it. I do not know where they got it from. But they definitely got it from somewhere. Look at this. What is this? <laughs> Wait, where is it? No! What? Like, no one, surely no one <laughs> what? involved with this made it up. <laughs> this is someone's, like, no, this is someone's, like, concept art. Yeah, it's like a 3D model. Like, I'll, I, I own, it's just, it looks like someone's ZBrush model. Just ignore it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like too much. clearly like a well done like ZBrush model. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there, this is apparently the the bat creature. Someone describes. Uh, okay. They say they describe six years ago they were leaving their mother's house and their young daughter was like, "Mommy, what is that?" And up in a tree was like a bat man. A Batman. I'm a Batman. Batman. Okay. Um. They thought it was an owl or a big bird, but it was like grown man sized. And it was a, it was like a Batman with giant bat wings and her daughter cried and screamed. And that's, that's the story. I don't want to read it. It's very long, but they did call him Batman. All right. All right. I mean, why not? It could be. I mean, it's like Mothman adjacent. The Virginia Batman. Yeah. Mothman adjacent. Yep, Mothman adjacent. But yes, it was just like a giant man bat that was like climbing the tree. And wow. and then she felt the need to email it in. <laughs> and swears with her right hand on the Bible that everything in the email is the God's honest truth. Without any embellishment. So he was like a, he was a Batman gargoyle thing. So that's Amazing. in Virginia. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm not shocked. I'm not surprised. It's like, again, it's like Mothman adjacent. It's fine. Yeah. So that's the other thing. We have Batman, Sheep Squatch we've already talked about, so I didn't look up Sheep Squatch stuff. Yeah, that's That's what I brought to the table for local legends. That's good. I think there's way more stuff in Virginia than there is in Seattle. I mean, Seattle has some stuff, but it's also just kind of been, like, glazed over, you know? Yeah. I feel like it seems like in Virginia, from my perception... It's a much more rural kind of, they're much more rural areas. And I feel like these types of legends and stories are kind of something that people don't, they don't, I don't know, they talk about it. They pass down these stories 
And I, I find that, like, in cities and stuff like that, that stuff doesn't circulate no. or doesn't yeah. pass down. Not really. I mean, I knew about, like, someone I lived in Los Angeles, like, the Battle of Los Angeles when, like, the military shot at a UFO that was mm-hmm. over L.A. Like, that. I knew about all those big ones, but, like, a lot of the other stuff mostly just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like um, I'm going to talk about this on my work podcast. They want to interview me as part of my <laughs> Wildlife Center work podcast about cryptids um, because we want to talk about how cryptids or local legends kind of relate to wildlife or create kind of this sort of reverence or opinion of nature Mm -hmm. that passes down because I do think that that's a big part of it. A lot of the the legends that are crafted that you're told as a child are meant to like keep you out of the woods or keep you from harming nature or keep you from negatively interacting with wildlife i do think that that's the case in a in a lot of a lot of those stories oh totally yeah um they kind of like keep kids under control basically scare them yeah no for sure like i could see that like or even just like that one about the ghost kid they're like don't walk four miles away or you're gonna just die i guess (gasps) oh my gosh yeah there's seven miles i'm like that kid something else happened yeah I don't yeah. know. That, there's no way a four-year-old's going to travel seven miles. Yeah, no. There's no freaking way. Yeah. Well, should we get to story time? Yes. Stories. That's why I kind of rushed through that bat one. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, we got to get to the stories. I mean, but yeah, you know it's real, the bat. I Yeah, it's like, <laughs> we don't even need to talk about it. The bat's it's, real. It's whatever, fine. yeah. It's fine. It's time for Fact or Fiction. We will be reading chilling tales submitted from the community and guessing, are these fact, fiction, or somewhere in between? Use your best spooky scout skills to determine the truth. Do you have a scary story to tell? You can submit them to us at spookysaturdaystories at gmail.com to have them read on the show. Just make sure to include if they are fact or fiction and your name. Okay, so this is from Space Doggos on Twitch. (laughs) That's a good name. (laughs) <laughs> okay. All right, ready? Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, my dad got it into his head that he was going to get a captain's license. In his defense, he already owned a small fishing boat, the kind you can hook up to the back of your car and tow around. That seems to be a prerequisite for men over 40 living in Florida. At the time, I thought it was great because dad would often let me tag along, especially during the summer. The thing is, getting a captain's license involves putting in a lot of hours of experience including some further out to the open ocean. Usually the only trips I was allowed to go on were day trips, but towards the end of the summer, my dad uh, said I could come with him on an overnight trip out to sea. I remember feeling pretty excited about the whole thing. It'd kind of be like going out camping, but on the water, right? We got out pretty far and I was bored stiff after the many hours it took just to get out here, but it was getting dark and my dad cheered me up with some dinner, hastily assembled sandwiches plus nutritious Doritos. Classic dad meal. And I think that was one of the first times in my life I can remember seeing more than two or three stars in the sky. We were so far out, there were stars filling up just about every corner of the sky. It blew my little kid mind. Then after about two or three hours hanging out, I noticed some weird lights just sort of standing in the air above the horizon. They just sat there perfectly still, and I thought it was some kind of weird mirage like you can get in the daytime until they started moving. They'd be still one moment and then zip abruptly across the sky, then stop again. I'd never seen anything like it, and when I pointed them out to my dad, I remember just being kind of weirded out by them. Then I saw the look on his face, and something clicked in my head that if my dad, who was never scared of anything, was scared of these, then I should be scared too. 
Dad decided we should go camp out somewhere else in the ocean, and we quickly left the area. But I'll never forget those weird pale lights darting above the Gulf of Mexico. After that, I didn't go on any more trips with my dad. <laughs> oh, no. That oh, no. Fun. Like, going into the ocean? I don't know. It sounds exciting. I mean, lights while you're... And i that's true about the stars. I remember going out to the desert as a kid and seeing the stars and being like, whoa, because where I grew up, you could only see, like, three of them because it was too close to L.A. Yeah. I don't know. I'll say it's fact. Sure. Let me tell you, everyone. Our writers got you. No! This one's made up. What?! Yep. We got you. So Space Doggo says, that story was false. I did grow up in Florida, which is indeed a very strange place. I went out onto the water with my dad and his tiny paddle boat once. Oh. And that was more than enough for me. Stay safe and don't go into the ocean, folks. <laughs> oh, that was totally believable. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah, that was great. Thank you, Space Doggo. Uh, Domino my, my Mia Games does say that they've seen uh, ocean UFOs though so ocean USOs are common so it's a mm-hmm. good one to get got by got 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 alright uh, are we ready for the next one yes this one's a little long but I, I don't want to keep skipping the long ones so I wanted to throw a long one in here okay. <laughs> okay and we can just do these two if you want to so this one comes from Bingsington, who is usually a VOD watcher, so maybe you'll catch us later. All right. I grew up in the farmlands of Pennsylvania, far from the city and a few miles from the nearest set of neighbors, so it was rare for us to get any visitors or to even see anyone that had not called ahead to let us know that they were going to show up. Our house was built in the year 1889, according to the date inset into the stones in the foundation, and had only one family who had lived there before my parents purchased it. My mother was born and raised in a house just like it, she had always said, and she wanted to get out of the city, as it was not the sort of place one wanted to raise their children. My father agreed and accepted the hour drive to the turnpike, where he would then drive for another hour and a half to get to work. Ugh. The turnpike. There were six of us total, myself, my younger brother, and my two sisters. My sisters shared a room on the first floor, right beside my parents' room, while my brother had a room off of the family room on the first floor. The second floor was my room, my father's office, and an empty room that was used for storage and which led up to the attic. The windows of my room opened onto a wraparound roof that sheltered the porch from the elements. I remember refusing to sleep in there when I was young because I would hear someone walking across the roof sometimes or them knocking the windows when the curtains were drawn. When I convinced my brother to sleep up there a few times, he heard the knocking and walking as well. My parents assumed that it was the wind in the eaves or the branches of trees stirred by a breeze telling us to just ignore it. They said that I simply had an overactive imagination and that I was trying to scare my younger brother. Yet I did not relent in my statement that there was somebody knocking on the windows, so they hired someone to come and trim back the branches, and my father father installed new gutters to try and cut down on any noise the wind might cause. For a few weeks, I slept fine in my room, but then the knocking began again. It continued for years. I eventually learned to keep it from my parents because they did not believe me and I had no proof. That was, until one day, I woke up after a storm blanketed the entire region in snow. That night, I felt a terrible sense of menace when the knocking came, like whatever was outside wanted to get in or wanted me to come out more than during the previous visits. I hardly slept. 
I sat on my bed against the far wall, clutching my blankets and praying that the boogeyman would not get to me. No. The knocking grew to a slow, raspy sort of noise, like air being pushed through a pinched hose. Then the shuffling came, and whatever happening, whatever was happening was done. I did not move from my bed, despite having to pee, until the sun was streaming through the windows. I hurried off to the bathroom, then returned to my room, thinking about trying to sleep. But part of my mind nagged at me. That night had been different. I hurried to the window and looked outside the snow covering the rooftop. I found footprints. I ran to the hall and called my mother up from breakfast. She looked out the window and seemed scared, deciding to bring my father into the situation. They told me to go and sit down in the kitchen. I could hear them arguing for a bit, and then they came down and started yelling at me. They told me that going out onto the roof was dangerous, particularly when there was so much snow outside, that I could have fallen and been hurt or worse. I tried to argue that it had not been me, and it was whatever came to knock on the window, but they were adamant in their belief that it was my doing. My parents made me start seeing a counselor who attributed no. it to the stress of moving and the fear of graduating from middle school into high school and prescribed Ritalin. I never did take the medicine. I would hide it under my tongue and spit it out. I knew I was not crazy. The knocking would come and go as I grew up, though I never mentioned it to my parents again. I'm not sure if I've decided what that whatever it was, it was not able to get to me as long as the window was shut. As I grew older, I became convinced that it was just as my parents had said, it was nothing more than the imagination of a child. When I left the home, my youngest sister inherited the room and she never said a thing about the knocking of my parents. I assumed she never heard anything and that simply cemented my belief in imagination being the culprit. A few years ago though, my sister was staying over at my apartment while she was in town looking for a job. We got to talking about growing up and then she mentioned the noises I used to hear as a child. I felt my skin tingle at the mere mention of it. Why was she going to bring it up? It had been a bad spot in my childhood. It was then that she told me that she had heard it as well. No! That there would be footsteps rasping across the old shingles outside of the window, the night growing quiet before there would be a series of slow, soft raps would strike against the glass of the window. This is where someone would shout about a skeleton popping out or how I had some horrible experience with a demon or was abducted by aliens. Nothing of the sort, just noises on the roof and a little sense of vindication that I was not insane, that it was not a nightmare, that it was something that I still do not understand to this very day. No! Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, Describing Ritalin to a kid to fix something sounds like a fact to me. Right? <laughs> Um, wow. That's so scary. Yeah. I would not deal with that well as no. a child if that happened to Whatever. me. Whatever. Like, goodbye. Say, I'm just going to say fact. I think that sounds real. Whatever. I'm in fact mood. That's too spooky. I'm in a fact mood today. I'm in a fact mood today. I'm just doing it. Well, well, Holly, you got it. This one's real. You were right. It's the real one that's... It's because that of the real one. So... Binksington says it is fact based off of some of the weird things that happened in a house I grew up in. So spooky. (laughs) Yeah. Way to go, parent, for just being a douche and then, like, (laughs) later on being like, no, I heard it too. Sorry to make you feel like you're going out of your mind. But yeah. Oh, that was great. Those are some excellent uh, stories. Yeah, thanks everyone. Be sure to send them to spooky Saturday stories at gmail.com. And I was asked in the chat if we would change the email with the rebrand. And if we do, I'll still keep this old one open and pull things from yeah. it. Like that's not a big deal. Yeah. So yeah, it's it should be fine. 
Yeah. That should be fine. Um, but yes, thank you for joining us for our um, season finale. Of yeah, thank Spooky you. Saturday. Um, we will see you in this format in a little while, but uh, you can still come back here during the week and we'll probably still do some art streams and stuff. So just follow us on social media and you'll see what we're going to do. Yeah, and it'll be fun. Uh, still send in your stories at SpookySaturdayStories at gmail.com. And if you're listening to the podcast, um, congratulations, you've made it <laughs> to the end of season <laughs> you've two caught up. of Spooky Saturday. You've caught up. And hopefully these will be caught up and you will be able to be on the same plane as everyone else in the future. Yes. Um, yeah. So I hope everyone's uh, doing good. And uh, we will see you uh, soon for some streams. Soon. And if not, for a spooky Saturday in the future. So yeah. yeah. Thank you for all of your support. We appreciate you. Uh, we'll still be doing the Patreon stuff. So if yes. you're a part of the Patreon, you'll still get an episode because that's yes. usually just us. Like, I don't mean depressing Kayla with the end of the world. <laughs> that was so sad. And also, like, it messed up at the end and my audio, like, cool. at the very end yeeted itself off of it. Cool. But it was fine. It sounded fine. But, like, it's because my I computer you. just got sad and gave depressing. up, too. <laughs> but, yes, the Patreon is patreon.com slash spooky Saturday. But I might go change the name right now to Spooky Scouts. So try either. Yeah. Yeah. Just gotta get that rebranding started. Yeah. <sighs> Well, yeah, we will uh, see you all soon. And thank you for all the gifted subs today. That was amazing. And we appreciate you. And uh, we will see you all very soon. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. So Bye. Oh, and if you want uh, Spooky Saturday, the zine or the patches, they're all in the Etsy store now. So, Yes, yeah. that's Etsy.com slash shop slash we crowing we hens. Crowing yeah. hens. Yeah. Okay. All right. Bye. <laughs> bye. Thanks for joining us for Spooky Saturday. I'm Kayla Klein, and you can find me at kaylakline.com or on social media as at K-A-Y-N-C-L-I. And I'm Holly Conrad, and you can find me on social media as at Holly Conrad or at Commander Holly, and you can find us both at wheatgrowinghens.com. We hope you enjoyed learning and speculating with us tonight. If you want to find out more about Spooky Saturday and becoming a Spooky Scout, you can find links to our social media, Discord, and more at SpookySaturday.com. If you want to toss a coin our way, you can offer the podcast some sustainable support by subscribing to Patreon.com slash Spooky Saturday. Spooky Saturday airs live Saturday on Twitch.tv slash WeCrowingHens at 3 p.m. Pacific.